Yeah, I've been laying my driveway and my neighbors are probably looking at me like, what the hell? Because my, my whole thing real quick too is no gym, no problem. What's up, my brothers and sisters? So my guest today is Nate Harpster. Uh, he is a 14-year veteran of the Phoenix Fire Department, senior firefighter. Uh, we have a conversation today about the role of a senior firefighter, how important reputation is, what work hardening is, and prepping for the mission. Uh, and and we, we wrap up by talking about the Harpster family farm. So you got to stay through the whole podcast to hear about that. Uh, he is a brute force sandbag ambassador, an all-around good guy. So check out our conversation. Enjoy. Welcome to the Fireground Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Rain Gray. Here, we're going to talk about all things pertaining to life on and off the fire ground. The opinions expressed are mine and those of the guest. So, let's get started. I think you and I are cut from a similar cloth. And um, I know you, you know, you read, we read a lot of the same books. Mm-hmm. And we um, have a lot of the same thoughts and ideas about fitness. Absolutely. So, so tell me, what are you reading right now? I see a stack of books on your desk here. What what's, what are you into right now? Well, I really right now. Um, I just re started rereading um, "Discipline Equals Freedom," the Field Manual by Jacko, uh, just because it's a quick, easy read. Yeah. Um, there's it's broken up so well. I think. Well, it's, I, I like what I like about that book is it's chunked. Yeah. So I can open it up. I can read three pages, one page. Exactly. And, and I'm like, oh, yeah. that was nice bite-sized little piece and yeah. close it and come back to it tomorrow and next right in three days or four days. Yeah, it's not it's not necessarily a chapter book. It's just in a, the thoughts and as we were talking about before, he has such good information and put together so clearly and I would say boldly. Hmm. There, there's no fluff around it. Right. And that's what I like about it. Yeah. I mean, discipline equals freedom. That's kind of my kid. If my kids just left, but if you ask them my favorite quote, they would have told you that. Yeah. Well, so, t- okay. So unpack that for me. What does that mean to you? To me, you know, really, um, it just means that it, as you put your, your mind to something, if you're dedicated to do something, um, it, it allows you the, the time to do it. You got to schedule a little bit. You got to, um, you know, make, make the time to, to say fitness, for example, I need to go to the gym today. I'm going to schedule that. So you schedule that every day. Okay. Most people are like, I don't have time to do it. Well, if you schedule it every day, you're going to have that three to five o'clock. I'm at the gym. Right. And, well, I don't have time. There's no excuse at that point because you've, you've, you've made a commitment. You've been disciplined about it. And now you have the freedom after that to do whatever you want to do. That's, that's really what it, what it means to me. And, and not just for the gym, for anything any, any, any discipline you want to take, uh, take up jujitsu, shooting, archery, hunting, whatever, you're going to put the time into it. Um, you need to make it a priority and you will find the time to do it and you'll find the time to still enjoy your family and have fun. Yeah. I, I like the concept because it, the idea that, um, if you are willing to practice something, it unlocks doors. But if you just say, oh, I, I want this thing, I right. want it. Well, you can want all you want, mm-hmm. but it sounds kind of stupid. <laughs> you, can, you can want it with all, the, all your heart. But if you're not willing to put in the work, the, the, the key is never going to turn in the door, so to speak. Right? You're never going to unlock your potential unless you truly concentrate on something. Yeah, and, and um, 
you know, that, that kind of happened to me with, um, hunting. I just started taking up hunting and, um, you know, there's a bunch of guys at my station that, that are hunters and very good hunters. And so I, you know, mentioned it and, um, been wanting to do this. And finally my captain said, Hey, uh, one of the other guys has a bow. He's, he's looking to sell, you know, so there you go. I bought the bow. I started shooting. I'd be out, out there every day, practicing, practicing guys started calling me Robin hood or, Okay, whatever they call me. Um, and, and that's, I'm, I'm taking the time to do it. And like right. you said, if you don't, if you don't take that initial leap, if you don't make it a priority, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And, and now I completely enjoy going out and hunting with the guys. So there, and there's a freedom in that. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's the, um, there's so many other little, little pieces that, that little quotes that come out of Jocko stuff, man, that are so powerful. Um, the one that really um, stuck with me and I was talking to my wife about it because we, we were talking about, um, you know, roles of senior firefighters and all that. Yeah. And, and it was pulling rank in any way is an immediate loss. That one's stuck with me since the day I read it. I don't know if it was in this or Extreme Ownership, whichever book. But yeah, that that is that's powerful. It's short and it's true. Absolutely. Well, when you talk about leadership and you talk about the ability to. Uh, navigate human beings. Mm-hmm. You have to be, uh, you have to be empathetic, and you have to be thinking about their position as well. Mm-hmm. And if you walk in and you just try to big ball and throw your throw your badge on the table, uh, you are going to lose credibility with those people because you are you're missing out on the human element. Absolutely, completely cutting that out of the mix. Yeah, you can't you can't demand respect. You you have to earn it. Right. I mean, there's there's no there's no way around it. There's right. no rank that gardeners it right away as soon as you get it i don't care if you're a new paramedic a new captain a new chief you still have to earn respect in in each of those roles right it's as simple as that right absolutely well you know you know and, and you have to trust and respect your people as it's well. reciprocal yeah if you 100 yeah, reciprocal if you want people to uh to work with you and for you and, and to to support your uh, plan, if mm-hmm. you will, then you have to uh, give them credibility for the work that they have done previously. So now, you know, you are a senior firefighter. How long are you on the job now? Um, 14 and a half, it'll be 15 in January. Okay. So I, I know sometimes we, in the fire service, we have a tendency to kind of poo poo guys, uh, time and service. We're like, ah, until mm-hmm. you know, until you have 20 years, you, you're not salty enough, but in all honesty, man, once you've gotten years on, you've invested a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And if you are, um, you know, someone like yourself who's very engaged in doing the job, uh, you know, as a senior firefighter with, you know, 14 years on a job, that's a lot of experience and seasoning. Mm-hmm. So as a company officer to come in and not give you the credit that's due, I'm, I'm losing out on a valuable asset. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And I'm completely undermining that relationship. If I come in and go, yeah, that's real cute that you've got 14 years. I have 20. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's a, that's a kick in and, the nuts. And I'm the captain. Right. <laughs> so therefore, um, but instead of, you know, if I were to come in and say, hey, man, um, let's talk about what your skill set is. Mm-hmm. What tools do you bring to the table? What experiences have you had that will help strengthen our operation today? Yeah. Right. You totally build up that yeah. person saying, this guy, he, he's got a vested interest in me. Right. That's yeah. important. It's collaborative, right? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so that's a huge, um, you know, from a very specifically from an operational perspective, it's so important that we 
that we we leverage each other's capabilities mm-hmm. and talents and respect those talents. You know, and of course, as a company officer, if there's a direction I need to go, um, I'm going to go that direction. However, I'm going to bring you along with me and and have your skill set um, magnify what we're trying to accomplish. Right, that's so important. It is important. I think um, at the role seem you know a senior firefighter should should make the captain's job easy. It should he should be able to kind of take care of that backseat. He mm-hmm. should be able to. And in my, my truck, I'm very fortunate. I have a, all senior guys on, on my truck. Um, but, m- you know, my idea has always been, you know, are you going to promote? Are you going to promote? You know, no, I like my position. I like being in the back seat. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the that's where I've always dreamt about being a firefighter in the back seat downtown. That's where I want to be. And I like the idea of the perfect ca- dream realized dream. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, the idea of the cat, a captain, any captain being able to, to sit in that front seat, look over his left shoulder when we're on the way to a fire and go, these guys got it. I feel confident in my back seat because that takes, that takes something off their, off of that person's plate. They got a lot going on in that front end. And, uh, to have that comfort, I think is huge. Well, so let me ask you this. How do you, as a senior firefighter, inspire that comfort in that in that on your side? What do you do to help your company officer feel uh, faith in you? Well, I you know I think through through drilling, through seeing that we're being physically fit, we're out there, we're um, doing skills course, we're taking the young guys to do skills course, um, or some guys sometimes the young guys take us to do skills course, and that's that's great. Um, you know, table talk, uh, the way we act around the station, I think is absolutely huge. How, how our personality is, um, are we being proactive around the station instead of letting the young guys just do everything, you know, right. you see stuff that needs to be done. We're doing it. Um, it's just that, that leadership by example is, is going to be absolutely huge and you can't, you can't get away from, it. I think that inspires the, the, the captain to at least from an initial standpoint as, as he's sitting there trying to soak in everything, going, these guys got it. They got it figured out. And, and I think reputation has a huge mm. aspect to it because coming in, any any new captain is, is going to have an idea who his crew, obviously he's putting him for the spot. He's going to know the guys in the back seat, the guys in the front left seat driving. What are those guys' reputation? Do they have a good reputation? Are they hard workers? Have they, you know, had some fire? Um, and I, the biggest thing is your, your reputation starts the day you're on this job and keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. And that captain's going to have an idea that this, this is a good duty. He's a good firefighter. Right. Well, it's interesting. I think that, you know, how important it is to have a rep to build your reputation. It's, and it's done, uh, it's not something that you say, well, today I'm going to work on my reputation. Mm -hmm. It is the millions of little things that you do every day. Uh, on and off the job mm-hmm. that will build that reputation, right? Are you, totally. you know, little things like, do you, do you call a friend who's, who's having a tough di- time off the job? Right? Yeah. Or, or who's or, just off sh- on injury. Yeah. Do you go, do you go and you check on that guy? Mm-hmm. Do you show up at their house? Do you go, you know, help out or whatever? Like those little things are a part of that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in addition to the stuff you do around the station, are you somebody right. who's going to, you know, when the doorbell rings, jump up and run to get to the door? Right. Or are you going to be like, I'm going to sit here for a second and wait for someone else to get the door. Right. All right. We're going to see what's going to happen here. Exactly. Who's going to move first? Who's going to go first? Right? Yeah. But your reputation. You, you go, I go then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so your reputation gets built off of that type of stuff. And um, uh, and then, of course, the actions you take 
on the fires. What's interesting though is we, you know, I, I think I can say this, like none of us get the amount of fire that we really, really want, no. right? No. None of us get the number of repetitions we want. So when we're talking about the firehouse work group, mm-hmm. right? How are you building trust with those guys? Because um, typically it's like we go on a fire and you you start to build that those sets and reps and you, you build that relationship with one another. And I see how you behave on a fire under pressure, under, under right. stress, whatever. And I see how you respond. And that helps me draw, you know, get closer to you and build trust with you, et cetera. But in the absence of those events, how are we doing that? Yeah. You know, I, I really feel it's, it's that station life. It's those 24 hours that you're spending with those guys. Right. Um, the time in the you know kitchen, um, talking about each other's families, having a, a true vested interest, listening yeah. to your other guys, not yeah. just not just talking about you, but absorbing their life as well. That's gonna that's gonna start that whole process of you know I, I trust this guy, um, working out together, you know, pushing each other, um, getting getting tough in the gym, you know, pushing past the oh, I can't go anymore. Yeah, you can. Let's go. Let's go a couple more. That that kind of camaraderie is is gonna you know help build that whole I trust you outside I know you can do the job and and then when we do have the job you know it, that really obviously lays it out on the table but um, I, for me I think I think all those little little things are building blocks to to actually doing yeah. the skills I I totally I couldn't agree with you more I think that you know when you talk about it's really really a small thing, but cooking and eating together Mm -hmm. is a big part of that. Like you really have to actively develop the relationships you have. Right. And I know it seems kind of woo woo to kind of talk about, you know, relationships when we talk about firefighters. That's what it's all about. When we we talk about brotherhood, that's what we're talking about. Absolutely. Is the connections that we have with each other and, um, and developing those. Mm -hmm. So we have to, uh, it's really important that we build those relationships and strengthen them and, and, um, find ways to look out for one another because that leads us down this pathway of connection. Um, and then if something goes sideways, you actually have a relationship with the guy you can really engage. But if somebody's remote from you and distant, you don't have a, you don't have a connection to them and something goes poorly or badly, mm-hmm. you don't have the ability to really, uh, you don't have the relationship to connect with that person. And if mm-hmm. let's say it's a, you know, a captain firefighter relationship. If I don't know you very well and you don't trust me, and something bad happens on on a fire, mm-hmm. and I come to you and I go, "Hey, man, we got to correct. We're trying to do some course correction, but I don't have a relationship or rapport with you." Right? How well are you going to respond? Yeah, yeah, that's very true. It could be, you know, an fu man. I'm doing I'm doing my job well, you know. Yeah. And that's 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 not very good for the for the truck. It's not very good for that incident. Um, you know, in fact, right. it'll take you the other way. Yeah, one hundred percent. And. I would say to you as well that it goes the opposite way. If you have yep. a relationship and as a firefighter and your captain does something kind of screwy mm-hmm. or you see something that needs to be addressed, if you don't feel comfortable going to that person um, for fear of reprisal or, or, or you feel like that person is just going to gaff you off or, or thinks you're an idiot or whatever, right. then you don't have any leverage. right? If you no. want to be able to lead up the chain of command, then you have to have a relationship there that allows you to do that. Yeah. I mean – for sure. I think the key is to really having fun with the guys, um, being professional, obviously, but, but being able to have fun and 
and like you said, it goes both ways to lead by example. The captain's got to lead by example, and the firefighters in the back seat, yeah, they need to lead by example. And that's and it's just not in the firehouse. My personal feeling is, what what are you doing on your days off? Are you are you if you're on uh, social media? Um, if you're are are you projecting the right image? It's especially nowadays. I mean, pe- people know me, for example, I'm on social media, right? What's the image I'm putting out there? Am I, am I throwing negativity out there? Am I doing knuckleheaded stuff? Am I passing the headline test? Mm-hmm. Um, b- both on, on my personal page and on the, the fire department or the uh, station page that I run. What's the image that's out there? I, I think that that is also super important w- when people take a look at the whole package like this guy's he does a good job while he's at work but he's a freaking knucklehead at outside of work always doing crazy stuff and he's posting all this crazy stuff out there that's completely um it, it's paradoxical and it's detrimental um so you have to you have to you know have fun and keep yourself um on the correct path both on and off the job and and i think that'll help gardener respect too in the firehouse as well mm, yeah when you are um behaving poorly off the job, it is reflective of, of, uh, your integrity and yep. your, it is a true reflection of who you actually are as a human being. Mm-hmm. And, um, the, uh, the word that comes to my mind, uh, when I think about this sometimes is modesty. Mm-hmm. And I know it seems kind of funny, but I think about a time when, when my daughter was you know younger and we're talking about like wearing modest clothes, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty conservative guy. And I'm, I'm like, getting there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, a, not for me. You met my daughter. She's, yeah, she's there's getting a certain age, age when yeah. you start having these conversations. And I'm like, well, honey, I, uh, I think you should wear like your skirt should be like knee length. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, where exactly is my knee? Dad? Yeah. Oh yeah. And I'm like, mm. right. And yeah. so, so instead of saying like, you will, you shall, this will be, this is how it is. My focus was more on, let's understand the principle of modesty. So mm-hmm. what, where I'm going with this with, with regard to us as firefighters is, or any public servant for that matter, mm-hmm. is that you are presenting an image. And no matter what you think, people are judging you, mm-hmm. right? At all times, the citizens are judging us, your partners are judging you, your bosses are judging you. Like from every angle, you're being evaluated. Right. And when you show up somewhere, how are you presenting yourself, mm-hmm. right? I think of, you know, I tell my daughter, hey, if it's at your knee, right, what, what message are you sending? Right. One of, Hey, I'm relatively conservative and I'm, you know, these are my values mm-hmm. and it seems maybe it's unfair, right? If you want to wear shorty shorts or whatever, it's unfair. But in our culture, there are, um, certain messages that are attached to wearing certain clothing. Absolutely. It's just how it is. So it's not that you, you have to understand the perspective that other people have. Right. And in our world, you show up and you're, you know, this is going to sound harsh for some folks maybe, but your boots are all unlaced and they're hanging all out and you're wearing, you know, faded, you know, wearing like light blue shorts or, yeah, you know, you know where I'm going with this. I right? know your you uniform going. looks like crap. What you look message, like crap. You what message like crap. are you sending? Yeah. That crappy service is about to be delivered. Yeah. Well, there you go. Right. I mean, so let's face it. Right. Yeah. Now I would tell it now the caveat to that is there are plenty of guys who look great. And provide crappy service. <laughs> Absolutely, and there's guys that that look crappy and provide great service. Right, but it's it's the it's the image, it's the perception, and right. in, until until any action is done, the perception is someone's reality. Right, exactly. So this is you know this carries over into the way we way we way we keep our firehouses, the way we keep our 
our apparatus, you know, we, if we are investing in those things and we're keeping them tight, Mm -hmm. then, um, we are presenting a better image of ourselves. And I feel like that carries a level of, it carries over into the way we truly are. Absolutely. I, I feel and reflects who we truly are, the message we're sending. So when you talk about reputation, yeah, your actions, the words you say, mm-hmm. the the way you present yourself, the way you dress, the way you shave your face, whatever, all those things matter um, and reflect an image. Now in our world, you've got a large transient population in our organization, right? Mm-hmm. We yes. call them rovers. And so if those dudes are bouncing around, what impact do they have? So Roving into the big house. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the big house. Right. You yeah. guys have got a bunch of firefighters there. What mm-hmm. happens when a rover row comes in? Well, I mean, they, it's, it's their time to, to prove themselves basically. But a, a lot of the guys that come through have been probationary firefighters for us Yeah, and, and they come back, but we're, we're certainly very welcoming of anybody that comes to the, to the station, any new person that comes to the station, Yeah, you know, I mean, that's just us on, on, that's just who we are. Yeah. You know, it's, it, I can't speak for the other shifts, but I, I know they do a good job as well. But a shift, Hey, how you doing? You know, kind of give them the, the rundown and then, you know, we do our normal routine, Yeah. but we're certainly watching to see what they're doing. Right. Are they taking initiative on their own? You know, are they, you know, asking, Hey, what, what, what do you, what's your guys' morning routine? What do you guys do? You yeah. know, um, that's, that's huge. We want to see a little bit of initiative from, from anybody roving in there for the first time, for sure. Yeah. You know, and that's, then that's what we're talking about is how do you present yourself? Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, the message to any, you know, young firefighter, anybody honestly on this job is understand that the image that you present, that is important. And, um, and then when you open your mouth, be calculated and thoughtful with the things that you say, Definitely, you know, and, and be, you know, be seeking opportunities to behave professionally, right? Like yep. don't be looking to get out of work. Look for work, look for work, Find ways to keep yourself engaged, be the first to drop for chow that always make the kitty guy happy, you know, because <laughs> I'm usually, <laughs> I'll have to say, I'm are you usually, the kitty guy? No, I'm not. <laughs> no, I thought oh, this was gosh. a PSA for kitty guys. I, I did, the, I did the, the, the kitty for the station for a number of years, the big kitty. Uh-huh. Luckily I've relinquished that. How long have you been down at, uh, at the big house? I got the spot in 2012. Nice. So I was roving in there a little bit before on, on each of the trucks. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've been, I've been down there a long time, man. When I, it's a, kind of a funny backstory, but lay it on me. When I was trying to get hired, I'm from Buffalo, New York. Um, I was a volunteer firefighter there for five years. And we heard about Phoenix Fire. We saw the training videos. This is Bruno Day, so everything was being pushed out, you know, big red, all that. And um, I said, man, I'd love to go and check these guys out. So I came out for a um, uh, just a vacation with in college with an ex-girlfriend. And um, we, uh, we stopped at a couple stations, and the guys were super cool. Um, so I said, I'm going to. Five years, nothing's going down. I'm going to come out here and test for Phoenix. Were you testing in the Buffalo area? I took the Buffalo fire test um, probably around uh, 98. I graduated college in 98, so um, somewhere around there, 98, 99. Um, But that list is slow. It's a slow list. Um, So... I, uh, I said, hey, this is where I want to I want to be. I'd, I'd like to test. So I started flying back and forth, 
from Buffalo. Did it have anything to do with the sunshine? I love the, the sunshine. The I love the snow. Yeah, lack of snow. <laughs> um, I dig the snow, honestly. Yeah, but Buffalo but snow, man, that's that's a different kind of cold. It can get, it can get deep, that's for sure. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I love the terrain and everything. Yeah, certain when you come west, when, when they talk about back in the day going west in people's eyes, you know, that's definitely had that, that reaction. Um, so are your folks still back East? Yeah. My mom, my, my dad passed away like 10, 11 years ago. So, um, but my mom's still there. My sister's there. I just got back from there. Yeah. Vacation. Um, but, uh, it is, it is. I love it. Um, but yeah, so I started, I started taking the test and flying back and forth, fly back, fly there for the, for the written, go back home. Luckily, I have a cousin that lives out here, so I was able to have free room. Um, nice. You know, fly back out for the physical agility, back home. Fly back out for the first interview, my first process, back home, no second interview. So, uh, okay, I'm going to try this again. You know, boom, come back out for the test. Stuff starts going down at home. No, I never made it out. So um, the the funny thing is, is that it just boiled within me for a long time. I was like, man, I got to do this. I cannot let this go. I want to be there. And, um, I, I remember I was driving to work. I was in an office job, you know, hedgehogging in the cubicles and all that. (laughs) It was horrible. I hated it. But, um, I said, this is it. I'm giving my two week notice. I'm moving out at the end of the end of summer. And that was in 03. And, and I started getting after it and, getting involved with so you were you moved out before you got the job so Absolutely. that's an all-in kind of all-in all-in move man I eggs in one basket was testing for one department only for phoenix and um i i got involved in barrels i got involved with um, taking some courses i did the cr van i did everything i possibly could i took took a meaningless job to just be able to pay the rent yeah. i mean the, the my boss they were awesome um has a furniture store no longer in business anymore but not my doing, um, <laughs> but, uh, he looked at my resume and said, dude, you're way overqualified for this job. And I said, I know because I'm not going to be here very long. I'm, I'm testing for Phoenix fire. This, this is going to afford me the opportunity to do what I need to do to get hired. He's like, okay, you're hired. But, um, so in 05, I got hired, went through that whole process. The, the, the funny part is back when I was coming and flying back and forth and visiting and taking the test, the test is in downtown Phoenix at the convention center. Right. So when I was done with that test, I would, well, sometimes I went to Hooters first and had some food. Got to eat. You got to eat. And then I walked down to station one and knocked on the door and hung out with the guys for a little bit. And it was Fred Dima senior. It was C group. Um, and, uh, talked with them, spent a whole bunch of time, um, just kind of soaking in information and, and, uh, you know, come, However many years it is, now I'm working down at that station, and a couple of the guys on the C-Shifter remember me coming by. It's calling full circle, and it's just, it's a crazy. That's really you cool. Know, you, I, I pinch myself every day I go to work. What would you say is the, so that's a very, uh, it's a very challenging process for anybody who's trying to get hired. Mm-hmm. And so if you were to offer, you know, one piece of advice, you know, back to, well, how old were you when you were testing? Well, I was 25. Okay, so yeah. if you were to offer one piece of advice to 25-year-old Nate, what would you tell him? Man, keep keep after it. Keep, you know. Uh, would you have told I, him to move out here sooner? Definitely. Well, yeah, I would have told you. I would have told him, hey, dummy, 
I don't care what you got going on for that second process, fly back out for that CPAT. Right. Okay. Do a good job of that interview and, and get some more experience. And hopefully, you know, I could have been maybe picked up earlier. Um, but I, it's hard to give advice because I really feel like at that time I was so focused on what I wanted to do. I didn't have any other distractions. It was, this is it. I'm, so you, so you would say that you, you kind of did everything possible that you could have done. It sounds like it because, you know, you, you, you connected into uh, the affinity group. You, mm-hmm. you connected with, you know, the CR, which is, you know, a volunteer program in the organization. So right. you're meeting people. You're getting connected with um, the, the local, uh, you know, language and kind yeah. of the way we speak about stuff so that when you go into that interview, you're more prepared. So it sounds like you did. I, I did. And that's not a, you know, it's not a pat on my back. It's just it, the story is the, is that in order to get hired, you, you need to fully vest yourself in the process. Mm-hmm. It cannot be a half-assed effort um, because you won't, it won't happen. Right. It just, I don't know. You need to immerse yourself in the culture. You need to immerse yourself in, um, in the guys do ride alongs, just get soak all that in. You have to do it and you have to put the time in. Yeah, that's what I did. That's a hundred percent what I did. I yeah. didn't have anything else to do. I moved out here, <laughs> didn't have a job, had, didn't have a whole lot of money. And that was it. You know? Yeah. And it was, it was a fun time when I look back at it. Yeah. It was a great time. Well, it's, I, I always find it fascinating to hear what different people did to get on the job because right. I feel like there's, there's these ideas out there that you have to have a connection. You have to have, you have to have family on the job. You mm-hmm. have to know somebody, but the truth is that that is, that is not the reality. It's helpful to know some people who are on the job because they will kind of dial you into the local language, mm-hmm. kind of get you kind of informed on, on what this organization is all about. Mm-hmm. But it just goes to show you that somebody from outside the area can kind of start doing some research and figure it out yep. and, and then invest the right amount of energy in the right direction and off you go. Totally. And, and in doing that investment, you start meeting people right. and you start creating relationships with people mm-hmm. just like when you're on the job you yeah. put in a good effort they see you showing up they see you taking classes they see you um you know ask them hey what can i do and then people say hey I take you under their wing i mean right. I, I captain uh raymond martinez helped me out tremendously so you know you can create if you if you don't have if you aren't in the valley and you don't already have those relationships your hard work and, and showing people what you're about can help you create those relationships and they will, they will pay off for sure. Yeah. So it's interesting cause you're, you're talking about the concept before you even get on the job that mm-hmm. you and I just spoke about a few minutes ago that said was critical when you're on the job. Right. So it's, that doesn't go away. No. Um, the message that's important is that the, you know, the Gary Picari message, which is live your interview. Love that. Right. You said in the beginning that you would do this, right? In some organizations, you literally raise your hand and take an oath, right? Right. To serve and to protect your community. Well, in that, what that means is when you show up to work, you are invested in the mission, right? And you're invested in preparing for the mission and I would submit to you they're one and the same right? mm-hmm. you can't you can't have one without the other right or you so you can't fulfill your obligation as a community servant without preparation 
yeah, no, without dialing yourself in. You know, you're you're fooling yourself if you think you can come to the station and uh, chill out. No, and and be effective in your op in your you know daily operations, especially when it gets serious. Yeah, you know, you yep. can you can fake it on the basic calls, but when when it gets real, this time of year, yeah, kick a fire out and it's 104 to 110 degrees. Yeah. And you have not been preparing yourself physically for that moment and mentally for that moment. Yeah. You're going to have a rude awakening. We put yeah. on that gear and start and start hustling and pulling lines and going inside where God knows whatever the temperature yeah. is, where you come out and you don't get relief. You better be ready. You better have trained for that. hundred percent agree. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's, it's our job to be ready and fit and really for ourselves, our crew and the community. There's no way to look at it any other way. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you're doing to to uh, stay prepared, especially, you know, as we're talking about summertime? But, I mean, I know it's, it's a year-round thing to me. but It but, is. But clearly the work hardening mm-hmm. takes a whole other level when you start talking about getting out there in your gear when it's 104 right. plus, well, plus, plus. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. And it, it still it doesn't matter how, how much you prepare when you put that gear on and you're out there even doing a skills course. You feel hot, hundred percent. But it's that it's those repetitions in that gear, knowing, you know, that you can push yourself further, being mentally strong, um, kind of that uh, David Goggins, you know, can't hurt me. Um, be comfortable with being uncomfortable, type of deal. That is that's a huge part of our job. Um, but for me personally, and, and and a lot of the guys at my station, it's getting down into the gym. It's it's not just doing the old bench press and I'm going to do some curls for the girls and such, you know, it's doing a lot of functional training, mm-hmm. um, you know, CrossFit type, um, so, you know, some people hate CrossFit, which I don't understand, right. but it's a very, it's well, so when you say the word functional, right, guys mm-hmm. think about, you think about CrossFit or you think about any, um, you know, program, we throw the word functional out there, but mm-hmm. what does that, what do you feel like that means? That means doing, um, uh, different like lifting like deadlifts squats you're moving you're unstable load training um being i I use my bag a lot my sandbag a lot Mm -hmm. brute force bag i'll give them a shout out um that that to me working in that that tight environment with stuff that's shifting on you is completely how we operate in the fire ground you're pulling pushing you're lifting over your head um you're dragging along the ground you know, that, that to me is, is functional work. It's not just laying on your back and pushing something up and down or standing in front of the mirror and, and, and doing a a curl that you need to, to use all the stabilizing muscles that you have. You need to break a sweat while you're lifting heavy stuff. Um, you need to push yourself cardiovascular, cardiovascularly while you're lifting heavy things. Cause that's, what's going to happen when you're on the fire ground. You know, you're pulling hose. It's not always easy. Right. Um, Even just the constriction that your your uh, PPE puts on you, right? Your turnout. Absolutely. It restricts your joint movement, et cetera. So being able to work in that environment is huge. Totally. And that's and that's why, you know, we, we go out and we do the skills course. Perf- perfect picture of functional fitness right. is, is doing a skills course. So for, for somebody who's not acquainted with you say skills course, what, do you, what does that mean to All you? Right. So we um, will set up some tires. Um, we'll set up tire on, on a long piece of hose, a smaller tire, and then, um, put a, a bigger truck tire that has a hose kind of 
I don't know how, how we exactly do it. You just cut a slit in there, you put it in there, so you have to, you can drag the tire. Okay. Okay. Um, we have a station or an axe with some with some wood and another tire with a sledgehammer, um, maybe a, a sled to push with, you know, 90, 100 pounds on it, um, some battle ropes, and put on your full turnouts, sometimes breathe air, sometimes not, and go out there and do two or three rounds of that when it's 100 degrees out. We've been doing it at nighttime lately, um, and uh, it's still 104, 105 degrees at night. And yeah. I feel like it's almost hotter because the pavement's been, it's <laughs> been free. Yeah, yeah, that sled, like, it it bonds to the concrete, I think, sometimes. <laughs> but uh, so that's that's what a skills course is, is out doing exactly pretty much what you would be doing on a fire, except for there's no building on fire and you're not running any right. water. Yeah, so the way I look at it is you're taking – exercises mm-hmm. that have that have sort of a transferable skill to the fire ground yeah right and then you do it in full your full outfit your full kit mm-hmm. you know breathing air sometimes not breathing air whatever mm-hmm. um the idea being that you're acclimating to the work that you need to be doing yeah so to me that's one of the you know obviously getting in the gym doing like a five by five you know squat press dead uh strengthening program is really, really important, Sure, but getting out and exercising and in your gear and doing a kind of a metabolic conditioning program that's mm-hmm. targeted toward the movements that you're going to do on the fire ground is, man, you can't, no, I think it's super important. Can't be it. And you say it much more eloquently than I do. I was just summarizing I'm a what you said. <laughs> you sounded way better. You know, you just I, use the word eloquent. I don't want to hear about okay. it. <laughs> I can't spell it though. So that's okay. No, but I, um, that, yeah, that's, that's the kind of stuff that that we do and um you got to push yourself to do it too that's the one thing as i I see all the time is you know we have guys that are in great shape but there's people are people and you're going to see some guys that are not in great shape and and talk about the role of the senior firefighter or even that of the captain looking back at his guys in the seat when you see that that tummy pushing over the the belt quite a bit, and the person's blowing down donuts every morning, that little bit of doubt starts creeping in. Yeah. Um, so for me, I push myself every day. There's days I don't feel like doing it either, but then I, you know, I think about um, I'm not sure if it's Jocko or Tim Kenny, somebody violence of action. I'm just going to get up and do something right now. I don't feel like it, but I'm doing it. You know because it's my job and boom, you know, you just have to do that. You cannot let yourself get sloppy, get out of shape on this job again, because it's not just you you're responsible for. Yeah. Plain so, simple. So this kind of takes us full circle. When you talk about discipline equals freedom, mm-hmm. right? The freedom to operate comfortably on the fire ground, right? The more uncomfortable you are on the fire ground, the less capable you are of thinking clearly yes. and making good decisions and you become, you become more prone to injury mm-hmm. and pardon me, injury <laughs> and accident. Right. If you are not physically robust, right? right? So, so having the discipline to get out there and throw down mm-hmm. and, and get comfortable being uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. Pushing yourself to a point where you're, um, having where it's difficult, you're hurting yourself. I don't want to say hurting yourself. That has a negative connotation where yeah, you are, where you're, you're right. making yourself uncomfortable. You're pushing yourself into that pain cave. Yeah. And that will, it, it garners results on the back end that make you more comfortable, 
more free to act on the fire ground when things are really serious and where you have an emergency situation. You'll never work as hard on the fire ground as you're working. I mean, I shouldn't say never. Rarely will you work as hard on the fire ground as you will in training. But that training pays off, you know, when you have a a fire and you have to do multiple bottles and you do have to work at that next level. Yeah, and, and, you know, you have to have the dedication to do it. Yeah. You know, some people, lazy people call it obsession, right? But it's, it's really dedication. That's, that's, that's a lazy person's hang up right there. Um, you have to have the dedication to go out there and do it. Yeah. And, and, and that's why that camaraderie with your buddies is so huge because, you know, you're, my, you guys in my truck, hey, I'm going to go down and, and, and hit the gym and then we're going to go do a skills course. You in. Yeah, I'm in. The other night, perfect example. I was getting ready to, to get in the shower, sitting on the pot. Yeah, I had my cell phone with me, and boom, on the screen comes up. Who doesn't have their cell phone on the toilet anymore? I absolutely got to. <laughs> There's a, no magazines anymore. Yeah, that's the norm now. It's... So up on my screen pops up uh, David Goggins' uh, YouTube link. I click on it, boom. You know, David. David Goggins it, yelling at you. Running his wisdom, and then and then the next message was, Skills course, night ops, 10 minutes. I'm like, you son of a bitch. And I just introduced this guy to David Goggins. He didn't know who it was. We were down at the gym earlier. So he, he laid some, he laid it right back on me. Nice. So yeah, I got myself, went right out there and, you know, had it to this night ops skills course with him. Yeah. You know, and that, and that's building relationships, you know, just like you said, full circle, but yeah, you know, yeah, that's a great thing. Getting out there and training together with your crew, whether it be, whether it be you know specific skill training like you're working on hose lays or door at force entry or whatever it is you're working on that's that's specific to execution of your job, but just getting out and PTing together mm-hmm. is is such a team building opportunity. Really important, man. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a good part of that of that family time. You know, getting out and suffering together. Yeah, I love that aspect yeah. of the job. I yeah. I've really embraced that in the in the past few years of the enjoyment of suffering and, and suffering with, with my brothers. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. it's great pushing each other to that point yeah. or pa- and then past that point. Yeah. I love that aspect yeah. of it. Well, it's funny. You think about it, like think about how much joy you get when you have an event, um, like a big fire or something like that. You come back to the station, everyone's happy. Everyone's because you, and it's because you were doing dangerous things together. Right. I know it sounds it sounds ridiculous. It sounds it does sound ridiculous. But it's but when I but I look back on my life, you know, early in my in my adult life as a marine, my best memories were coming back from the field. Mm-hmm. You know, after being out on deployment and in exercises and et cetera. Mm-hmm. The time I spent living in the dirt mm-hmm. with my bros was that brought us we were never tighter than when we came back from those events. Yeah, because you get to do your job. Mm-hmm. You get to do the job that you quote unquote signed up for. Because mm-hmm. We all signed up to fight fire. That's what we wanted. That's when it comes down to it. We love that aspect of it. We want to fight fire. We want to be on on the edge and go into that that zone where most people never want to go. Mm-hmm. We love the service aspect of it too, helping people out. Um, but when you really boil it down, what comes to the top is fighting fire. And when we get to do that and we do it successfully, and everybody comes out feeling great and good knockdown and save some property and and we go back to the station and yeah we're happy we're pumped up it was a good time because we were able to do our job and do it effectively right 
Yeah, those are great moments to to gel the crew and yeah and yeah. You know, it's unfortunate it happens. Something bad has to happen for us to do our job, but that's right. our job, right? You know. Yeah, you know what's funny, and throughout the course of my career, I'm like, you know what? Um, I don't want anyone to have a house. I don't want their house to burn down. Right. But if it's gonna happen, please happen on my shift. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because. Because I want to be present. Yes. <laughs> to, to, to render aid. Absolutely. Um, for a whole host of reasons, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. But it's, you know, but yeah, we know these events are taking place on a regular basis. And um, yeah, we don't wish it on anybody, but I do wish it would be on a shift. <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> I definitely agree. Yeah. Oh, man. What, uh, um, here's something I, you know, I, we're talking about work and you're talking about dedication and, and you have taken upon yourself a family farm <laughs> and uh, you know, speaking about work. So your yeah, we're looking on... out the window at some alpaca back there. Yeah. yeah. So tell me what, what caused you guys to, to get out here? You know, one of the conversations that I, that I find myself having with guys a lot is this, you know, the idea of work life balance mm-hmm. and, and trying to strike that. And, you know, to me, it seems like man, buying a, uh, a few acres and, and getting some alpaca and living on a, a little mini, you know, uh, then, you know, Harpster farm yeah. is, uh, is a great way to kind of strike that balance. It is. It is. Um, I, you know, I have to give a lot of credit to my wife. She's, she was a driving force to get this property, um, found this, you know, she's an agent. She found the property and, um, I, I was kind of uncomfortable with making that leap from our, um, nice, new build house that we were in track home, you know, very nice finishes HOA. everywhere. Yeah. Oh yeah. HOA. But, um, moving into, into the eighties, which this place, you know, grandma's house a little bit and, um, and, and taking on all this, this land in this property. And, uh, we already had the chickens. Um, those came with us. So we just got a few more, but <laughs> the funny, the, the whole thing with the alpacas was really funny because I, I go on a guy's trip every year, um, with some buddies from back home. We go skiing in Colorado, same time every year, January, February, you know, for a whole week. Um, I'm get on the plane, kiss the wife, kids goodbye, land in Colorado. And I get a text message and there's a picture of, of two alpaca in the back of a van. I'm like, what is this all about? And uh, she's like, she says, it's our new housemates. I'm like, what? <laughs> I had no we, I had no idea she was buying them. Oh, my gosh. And so uh, I knew she had wanted them. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, she went, she went ahead and bought them. And uh, that's kind of, it's obviously snowballed from there. We ended up getting a few more. Yeah. And then we got goats. Um, so, what, yeah. Okay, I had a totally ignorant question, but sure. I'm going to ask it. What does one do with an alpaca as a pet? Not a whole lot. They they sit out there. They cut my grass for me, which okay, is great. That. Yeah, um, we can shear them every year and sell their fiber. It's called, um, which we haven't done yet. Um, it's still sitting in the garage. So if you want some, if you know how to how to weave. knit or weave or whatever it's called, <laughs> I got a whole bunch for you. Yeah, I have a loom at home. Perfect. <laughs> I figured you look like the loomer type of guy. Um, but uh, yeah, that's it. They're really just you know pets. Um, we go out there. Uh, is eat money and crap work. Exactly. It? Well, and, and again, credit to, credit to my wife. She goes out there and she shovels the poo and, um, cause they do alpacas are great. They, they take a poo in the same exact area. 
So it's oh, pretty easy to It's kind of like up. a family dog almost. Yeah. Well, the dogs go all over the place. But yeah. <laughs> My dog has a spot. Well, that's nice. Yeah. Um, but no, it's really, you know, it, it, it allows for a little bit of stress relief. You go yeah. out there, um, you know, feed them. We do take them for walks. We put the halters on them and we, we're walking through the, we have a preserve right here, repairing preserve. And we're walk, walking through there and people stop, take pictures. And it's definitely a, um, it's definitely kind of a decompression type aspect to it for sure. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the kids enjoy it. The kids, it teaches them a little bit of discipline about, Hey, having to clean up the coop, clean up the, uh, the, um, pens and, you know, keep things tidy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it is, I, I do enjoy, I enjoy watching them. It's, it's like watching the fish tank, you know, you can go out there and watch alpacas, yeah. you know, whatever you want. When you have a little grip of them, right? What do they do? Do they play with each other or do they just wander around yeah. and eat? Or do they... The alpacas pretty much wander around. We only got one that lets you play, but the, the goats, they will, they'll come up and hang out with you. They're fun. Yeah. <laughs> they are definitely... I have a, when I was a little, when I was young, I had a, uh, uh, we went to like a petting zoo mm-hmm. and I, I have a vivid memory i'm standing there like who lets a kid in i went into this petting zoo with a bag of popcorn yeah bad idea probably yeah, yeah. right i was like six or seven or something like that and i i have this vivid memory of this goat coming up and ripping off my popcorn <laughs> and me freaking out and uh anyway i've gotten over the fear yeah. of goats but uh but man i was uh i i very like i always reflect back on that one moment it would traumatize me well i hope that hasn't <laughs> happened doesn't happen here but we, we've had a couple kids come by and our one goat Dexter, he uh, likes to lay out kids. Yeah. <laughs> just kids. He'll butts, just go and butt them. them and knock them around the ground. Yeah, it's he's, kinda, well, he's it's, trying yeah. to he's probably trying to establish his dominance. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Yeah, we just call him a jerk half the time, but yeah, <laughs> no, it's it's great. It's it's an adventure. Um, it's definitely something that uh, brings the family together, um, and and I think helps us all. You know, we're, we're appreciative of what we're what we have. Yeah. And, um, and we love having a little bit of property, a little bit of no HOA, do it, do what we want to do. Um, and it's great when come home from the station from a busy shift and I can go hang out with those guys for a little bit and kind of just relax, you know, hopefully the wife's done all the work before I got here. (laughs) (laughs) That's great, man. I had a conversation with Brian Veda and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, we talked about, the, the importance of, you know, the having balance in life and mm-hmm. resetting and finding ways to, you know, offset the, the stress that, you know, that work brings to us. And you know, we can pretend, we can say to ourselves that, no, nah, no, nah, I love work and work doesn't stress me out, but, right. but it absolutely has impacts on our lives. It does. Mm-hmm. It does. There's plenty of days where I come home and I'm grumpy <clears throat> and I know, it. and I, I listened to your, your podcast, uh, with Brian, um, who is my backseat partner on the truck. Uh, and he, I, you talked about, um, you know, giving back and forth to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, your wife and the husband, you know, that's, that's the secret to being happy. And, uh, you know, I come home sometimes and also like, like you said, find myself being pretty selfish. Um, you know, cause we spend that time at the station doing what we want to do. And sometimes we get our butts kicked at night and then, you know, Hey, I want to, I'm going to come home. I need to, I want to work out at this time. Then, um, you know, I'm not a big napper, so I'll find stuff to do. I need to, you know, I need to run to sprouts. I need to do this. And my wife's like, Whoa, listen, you know, 
there's stuff we need to do. You've been gone for 24 hours. Um, right. My big thing is clean. Like I'll come in, I'll come in the house and I'll start cleaning right away because I'm kind of a a neat freak. Um, my wife just calls me an asshole when I do that, but sorry, <laughs> I don't know if I can say that. Um, but I just did. But she uh, because I'll I'll just come and start cleaning, start doing the, doing some dishes, putting stuff away. Like and she's like, hey, time out, dude. Your kids are over there. What? And I'm like, yep, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Hey, let's go sit and watch a little bit of TV or let's say better yet, let's go out back and feed the goats and take care of them or you know, want to take them for a walk, or do something. Let's go. Let's go to a movie. Uh, those are things that, that me personally, I've been working on because I'm, I'm definitely not a saint. That's for sure. Um, and, and I've had times where I, I come home and I forget how important it is to, to, leave all that other stuff behind and that, and that my folks at home have missed me and they want me to be here yeah. and and I need to be there. The, the best present you can give somebody is to be present. And I, I've learned that through the process and I'm still working on it. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm trying to do when I come home now. So, Good. Yeah. yeah. And the Harpster farm. I love it. The Harpster farm. It's here. It's great. <laughs> So I know you have a, your Instagram page mm-hmm. and you're putting out a lot of really cool content on there. Sure. And, um, you know, you're doing some stuff with, uh, uh, brute force sandbags yep. and, uh, what, what exactly are you doing? What kind of stuff you got going on? So with brute force, um, I, I bought their bag, uh, over a year ago and then eventually reached out to them about being an ambassador, whatever that means. There's so many different words on Instagram, but, um, just to, to kind of rep them and show people about the functionality of the bag. Um, it's, it's just a great tool. It's that unstable load training. Um, you can take it anywhere with you. It's in my, my forerunner out there. Um, you know, it's, I bring it to the station. We use it during our skills courses, you know, do, do the whole skills course. Like we were talking, lay on your stomach and push that bag in front of you when you can barely breathe. Uh, that'll, it's it's a it's an eye opener, um, so it's it's a great piece of equipment that that you can use, um, and and I absolutely love it. I brought it on vacation with me, um, so it's it's a very functional piece of equipment. Yeah, I I'm a big fan of sandbag training. Back yeah. in the not too many years ago, I was searching the market looking for a sandbag, mm-hmm. and um, couldn't find anything. So I took an old sea bag, yep. put some real sandbags in it with a, you know, stuffed it with some blankets and kind of made this obnoxious, horrible. I remember that. Yeah. I had it 39 I, for yes. years and uh, made this obnoxious little sandbag yeah. and, um, you could get a lot done with it, but it tore up your hands. It was miserable. Right. So the, the brew, the nice thing about brute force bags, that it does have handles yeah. all over the place. Nice. Um, so you can do cleans, you can do throws, you can do deadlifts with them. Um, there's a whole app that goes with it. That's awesome. Gives you daily workouts. But I always tell people, come up with your own stuff. Grab the bag, not by the handles. Um, throw it over your shoulder. Throw it all the way over your head. Man. Do do some do some functional quote unquote fitness with it. And it's it's just it's so nice and easy to use. Not it's not easy to use. It will <laughs> kick your ass. Believe me, there's been plenty of times I'm it's laying in my driveway. Simple. It's, it's simple, simple, not easy. Yeah, I've been laying in my driveway, and my neighbors are probably looking at me like, what the hell? Because my, my whole thing, real quick, too, is no gym, no problem, you know? Um, I like that. No, I, I have some tires back there that I roll out front. I'll flip that tire down my street back and forth, run back, grab my sandbag, 30 minutes straight, no music, no nothing, just get it on. And 
my neighbors drive by like this guy's out of his freaking mind especially when they see me laying on the driveway after like i've just been <laughs> you know executed or something <laughs> i'm out but oh, yeah man. it's awesome well hey let me ask you this if mm-hmm. there's if uh if somebody listening to this wants to reach out to you, where would they find you on, on the internet? Uh, well, you can find me on Instagram at NaderVision, N-A-T-E-R-V-I-S-I-O-N. Um, I'm, that's pretty much it. Hit, nice. hit me up on, on Instagram. I have different coupon codes for a whole bunch of different companies. And, um, yeah, you can you can check them out. Led by Iron, First on Socks, all those awesome, awesome companies. And they all revolve around fitness. And, um, you know, it's uh, all glued in with brute force really so it's good stuff and thank you for having me on i i oh, do appreciate it i, I was listening to another podcast the other day and they had mentioned that the typical um, podcast only goes six episodes so i think you're like double that right <laughs> yes. now so you've made it yes you've made we're, it man hey, we are laying roots baby that's it. what's all about <laughs> well hey man i think i appreciate you sharing your thoughts and your ideas yeah. and um it's so important that that we are, we have an opportunity to share some of the things that we're thinking with our brothers and sisters out there. And, um, to me, it's not, doesn't do us any good if we just keep it to ourselves. No. So we got to share what, whatever we know, whatever we think we might've figured out, Mm -hmm. whatever we're working on, share with other people. So they start thinking about it. And if it can help them be more successful as a, as a firefighter, as a, as a public servant, as a whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, then by all means they need to take advantage of it and, and, do something with it. I agree. So everybody go out and buy a sandbag. Yeah, brute, do it. Buy a brute force sandbag. Brute, Tell yeah. them Nate sent you. Tell them Nate sent you and keep, keep on doing what you're doing, Rain. I love it. Right on. Thanks, All brother. Right. All right, brother. Thanks for tuning in to the Fire Ground Fitness Podcast. I hope there was something of value for you in this podcast, in this episode with Nate. And remember, he can be found at uh, on Instagram at NaderVision. And uh, he also wanted me to let you know Phoenix Firehouse 1 has a uh, Instagram page. It's at phoenix firehouse one imagine that and uh so check it out there there's lots of great content about those guys working down at the big house and sharing some content with you there follow subscribe get on to apple Podcasts. leave a review leave a rating leave a comment reach out share your thoughts in the meantime get some